0: So, let's start with a couple questions this morning as pertains to James, the book we're studying. If you paid for an inexpensive ticket to a concert, and there was tiered pricing, okay? Tiered pricing, as is always the case at concerts. Um, And let's say you bought the cheap seats. Would it bother you to see the golden rope taken back and the VIPs enter through your binoculars? down at the front? Well, it shouldn't. Why? Because you get what you pay for, right? Shouldn't bother us to see people who paid more getting better seating. What about a sporting event? You probably won't be going to the NBA finals next week (laughs) in Milwaukee after last night, but let's just say it's the regular season and you're scrolling through Ticket Hub trying to get a game at the is it Pfizer? Is that the correct pronunciation? Pfizer, Pfizer Forum. And you're scrolling Ticket Hub, and under your breath, you say too much, too much, too much, and you find those 300, 400, 500 level seats. finally something I can afford, and you get there, and you see, see somebody sitting right beside the coach, right? And through your binoculars, you look, and it's Drake the Rapper. No, it's somebody looking. Standing, shouting, enjoying the game. Are you going to be upset? Are you going to be upset that they had a better seat than you? Well, you ought not be. Now let's entertain this thought. You go to the mill.church and you try to find your seat for a Sunday. And you scroll through the website and if you want to sit toward the front, it's more. And if you want to sit at the back, it's cheaper. It's cheaper. And if you want to take communion, you've got to add that to your cart. And then you go to print out your ticket. Are you inherently bothered by that idea? You hypocrites. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Are you bothered by that idea? Why? You weren't at the concert bothered by that idea. You weren't bothered by that idea at the Bucks game. Why at church? Well, of course we wouldn't. Buy seats to church, what a silly idea! Well, apparently it's not that silly we 're going to see in today 's text James chapter two verses one through seven james gives us a gives us a hypothetical and he says it like this We'll actually begin in verse two. for if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothes comes into your assembly, so this guy's dressed to the nines. That's the point the text is making. He's in a suit. He's bedazzled with jewelry, and he shows up to church. And behind him comes a poor man in shabby clothing. You can tell this guy doesn't make as much as the former guy that walked in. And then James says, And if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing, the guy who's well off, and you say, Hey, sit here in a good place. In other words, we we got box seating for you. We got a reservation. While you say to the poor man, hey, you stand over there. In other words, get out of our way. Go sit at the back. Or sit down at my feet. You know, I need a footrest. Um, by the way, in that culture, you would not want to sit beside somebody's feet. They wore sandals. How many of you know what your sandals look and smell like after a long, hot summer? Not only that, animals constantly did their job in the streets. Dirt roads, we get muddied, get all mixed together. People's feet weren't in top condition, wasn't pleasant. And then James continues, verse 4, Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? What's he talking about? He's talking about something called partiality partiality are we partial toward people or are we as the gospel would have it impartial towards people listen verse 5 he's trying to get us to pay attention to what's coming next listen up he says my beloved brothers, we learned that in our opening, but brothers, brothers and sisters, he's elevating the status of women here. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in the faith? And heirs of the kingdom of God, which he's promised to those who love him. Listen to how beautiful and encouraging that text is. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he's promised to those who loved him? Verse 6, but you've dishonored the poor man. James, a pastor, is apparently confronting today's opening idea, the way I opened this sermon, our let's say example, was actually their reality. It was their reality. It sounds silly, but this is what happened in this church. He's so saying, hey, listen, concert pricing does not work in God's house. There's no place for it. He's saying, listen, listen. Folks can sit wherever they like in our services. God's system is different. Don't dishonor poor people like my father Joseph, like my mother Mary. If they were here, how would you treat them? The way you're doing this isn't isn't right. If Jesus himself would have walked into James' church, Jesus would have had to sit at the back. Okay? Are you getting the sense that the church and the world ought to look and act differently. It ought to. It ought to trouble us, in other words, if a church were to charge for seats. Verse 6, Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? And we've learned in chapter 1, we'll learn elsewhere in this book, not rich people in general are evil, but the ones in this church apparently were. In this case, they're oppressing, they're taking advantage of the poor. Those who couldn't represent themselves, those who couldn't defend themselves. Uh, In this case, rich people were evil and they're oppressing and they're taking advantage. Verse 7, are they not the ones who blaspheme the horrible name by which you were called? He says, in other words, these are actually unbelievers in that they're showing up like Judas they're claiming they're believers, they're not, they've got a lot of money, they're suing, they're taking advantage of, they're hiring but not paying poor, defenseless Christians. And he says, how do you think that feels when poor people come in and get sued and are asked to sit on the floor like a piece of furniture? How do you think they feel? And you might say, where's this going, pastor? Pastor? James is rightly condemning them, but this doesn't happen at the mill. Why ought we to spend time in this text? I'll say first, if you believe in evolution theory, I have a close friend of a friend that's really big into evolution theory right now. It it is a theory. Let me remind you of that first. You don't really have, we're not talking about microevolution, we're talking about macro, large-scale evolution, um, you don't really have a big flag to raise here morally. When we talk about partiality, why? Well, evolution theory is is all about uh, everyone not being equal, some winning and others losing, some advancing and others falling behind. Um, if the rich guy wins, that's just natural. Selection, as applied to church seating charts, for example. If you're an evolution theorist person, your ideology does not permit you to advocate for impartiality. It just doesn't. You can't use words like discrimination and prejudice and impartiality. That's the law of the world. Simply in your view. It's the way things have always happened, the way they always will happen. Um, further, if you're a very religious person in another religion, and sometimes in Christianity, you ought not be bothered by what's happening to the poor people in James Church. You ought not be bothered by it. Why is that? Because in other religions, you get what you earn. You get what you earn. This is uh, sometimes what it looks like in other religions, that the more you give, the closer you do sit. It actually happens in Orthodox Judaism t- today often. It's commonplace, especially at crowded services. You buy your seats. The Burris family buys the second row on the right-hand side of the synagogue. That happens today. It's just the way that it works. But in Christianity, as I hope you know we don't get what we deserve. Amen? We get what Jesus deserves. That's what we get. If you're troubled by tiered pricing in church seating, which we all ought to be troubled by, it's because God gave you a conscience. You ought to be troubled by it. The idea that rich people are good and that poor people are bad ought to bother you. The idea that bad, or rather, poor people are good and rich people are bad ought to bother you. Um, it exists, the idea that rich people are good and poor people are bad today, by the way, in the Christian church. It's known as prosperity theology. If we were obeying Jesus, we'd all be rich. If we just give a ton sacrificially, we're all going to be better off. It's out there. It's on television. It's evil twin brother on the other side of the spectrum is poverty theology, which says nobody's good who has money. If they have money, they're evil. That's equally irrelevant and wrong. Money is morally Neutral, it's what you do with it that counts. And here's the real issue in James chapter 2, verse 1, that we're getting after. My brothers, show no partiality. That's the main emphasis of the text. As you hold the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. So let's do a little quiz midway through the sermon on our theology. Can we do that? Question one. According to the Bible, everyone is equally made in the image and likeness of God the Father, true or false? True. Equally made. Men and women, young and old, poor and rich, male and female. I already said that, didn't I? Black and white. Amen? Question two All people are equally fallen and sinful. There's not these neat categorical distinctions between good and bad. The Bible says we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? We all on the same page? You got two right, Trues. Number three, true or false? Those who belong to Jesus are equally saved, equally loved, equally forgiven. True or false? It's very true. Very true. So according to the Bible, we are equal. We're equal. We're all equal. As a result, we should not show partiality or, as some say, favoritism. God doesn't play favorites. Did you know that? He doesn't have favorites. Sometimes in my own egocentric world, I like to think that God likes me. Better than others. Gosh, he must be proud of me. It's not true. He loves all people equally. He's a great dad. Dads don't play great dads. Don't play what? Favorites. They don't. We love our kids equally. We do things different with them according to what they like. I'll tell you that Levi doesn't like the same things that I like. Levi's a bookworm. He liked, I don't like books, generally speaking. I read them, I enjoy them from time to time, but just it's not my natural proclivity. I'd rather be outside throwing a ball, doing something that doesn't require a lot of mental effort, right? Levi loves that stuff. So I got to work harder to, to, to do what Levi wants to do. Miles, playing with him comes easily to me, but that doesn't mean that I'm to play favorites. And you know what happens? Horrible things happen when parents play favorites horrible things happen envy creeps in jealousy creeps in backbiting slander among siblings creeps in it can just get ugly it can just get ugly fast aren't you glad that our father in heaven doesn't play favorites he's good to us How about it be if my kids came over for dinner later in life after they'd all flown the coop? Um, You know, you know, we actually raise homing pigeons, right? Not eagles. Have Have you noticed that? Okay. Um. Yeah. So kids come back home. Right, And so how, how bad would it be if, if kids came home to Thanksgiving dinner in the Burris family and I asked them, I probed them about their net worth and set them around the table accordingly. Higher net worth sits closer to daddy-o. Lower net worth sits at the end of the table. What a shame, what a shame that would be. What about a report card? Better grade sits closer to daddy how many of you know a report card is not necessarily an indication of net worth? It's true. <laughs> you may have conflicting systems there. But we wouldn't do that for a report card either, right? I would I would hope. So that's not the heart of our dad. Now let me ask you this question. And I hope it is a probing one. Who are you partial towards right now in your life? Who are you partial towards? Maybe it is one or more of your kids. Maybe it is one of your neighbors. Maybe it is a few friends in this church. Maybe it is the young versus the old or vice versa. Maybe it is male or female. Maybe it is educated, highly educated or uneducated. Maybe it is black Or white? Who do you prefer? Who do you prefer? See, we think this isn't relevant to us today, but the sixth most popular issue that unchurched people have with the Christian church, purportedly, those who've never been to the Christian church, unchurched people, or those that have left it, the sixth biggest issue they bring up is the church's partiality the church's partiality may that never be said of god's church amen is it just me or are men and women both welcome here are young and old both welcome here are black and white both welcome here are rich and poor both welcome here and ought they be in our own lives in our own hearts ought we issue the same greetings i'd say we should We ought, amen? But in most cases, it isn't. But let me just defend the Christian church for a moment, if I may, because you may have heard pop culture is very quick to pull the trigger on us in this regard. Um, For those of you who may have had in the past, maybe you're warming, obviously you're here, you've warmed up to the idea of church, Maybe you're inwardly critical of church now Um, in in regards to partiality, equality, impartiality, racism, prejudices, these kinds of things. Um, Might I just encourage you to go to a land where the gospel has not yet reached and see what women are treated like. A land that has not been touched by the gospel. Of Jesus Christ. It is brutal. It is ugly. There is much deference. See if the women are educated in those places. See if the women are. Well taken care of in those places. For those who have. Never been to church of those who have stopped. Stopped going, they're, they're not told in their relative news sources that post-Reformation, wherever Christianity spread, education spread. People were better informed, not less informed. Um, across gender lines, it was across racial lines, it was across geograph- geographical lines. Um, the first schools almost exclusively in the United States of America, were what? They were Christian. They were Christian. And today, professors in those very schools critique Christianity. Standing in those very schools that were founded by Christians, critique Christianity for being uneducated, impartial, segregated, prejudiced. In the New Testament church, check this out. This is as early as the New Testament church. Slaves become deacons. Slaves become elders. People of low status are given high status, spiritually speaking. The gospel is transforming. This is why in Great Britain, if you've never seen Amazing Grace, you've got to watch that movie. True account of William Wilberforce, a Christian who, not alone, but in large part, put an end to slavery himself. He argued strongly, passionately, ending effectively slavery, um, and it was out of his biblical conviction that he argued. Uh, the civil rights movement in the United States was led in large part nobody ever says this or reminds us by preachers by preachers by those who took the gospel and and wanted to incarnate Jesus into societal structures that were all out of balance see the father does not play favorites and if you and I do we are in sin Rosa Parks, did you know she was a Christian? Some of you think I'm trying to hijack culture, cultural truth this morning. I'm trying to get us back to truth this morning. Today we have rich people sitting by poor people in our church services. We have, um, I'm delighted to say, in central Wisconsin... Um, which is white as a tulip, Um, people of different ethnicities attending our church, and in particular, our second service is a beautiful thing. Their kids are involved in our services. Um, We have educated people and non-educated people. Um, This is what the Bible teaches. People are equal, both the born and the unborn. Also, people are equal. All people have value. It does not matter what your life looks like today. I want you to know that God loves you. You are his child. He loves all his children equally. He does not love you any less than he loves your pastor. Not a smidge less. Not an iota less than he loves the Pope or the cardinals, or the bishops of Rome. He loves you that much. He's glad that you're at his table. He doesn't care what seat you sit in. Everybody gets the same meal. Amen? And our portion is himself. Father, I just thank you for such a great text to remind us that there's no place in your kingdom for thoughts about any particular class or kind of people. There's no place for those arguments. There's no place to those, for those proclivities, for those mindsets, for those attitudes. Lord, you created us all equal. Lord, I pray that we would treat each other that way. I pray that you would show us any biases that we have I pray that you would continue to root out all evil in our hearts, including any measure of partiality. And I pray we would, like you, our great daddy who does not show favoritism, that we would keep our arms open to all. You certainly have. You've afforded grace to us all. In Jesus' name, amen.